Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Well, tonight, uh, the title of our lesson is Preparing for a Move of God. Preparing for a Move of God. And uh, I don't know uh, if you remember, but a couple of years ago, a pastor put out a book, and it was called A New Outpouring, Azusa Again. A New Outpouring, Azusa Again. And during the pandemic, uh, he talked a lot about when we return to church after the pandemic, that we are we're not should not expect to have church as usual. That the whole format should have should change. There should be a shift in the church. And one of the other thing he says all the time uh, is that uh, Christ is coming soon. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to kind of put the dots together. Christ is coming soon. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about preparing for a move of God. In this book of pastors, he says something very profound. He says, it's coming, it's coming. A fresh, new outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming. Azusa again. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like signs and wonders. It looks like miracles. It looks like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It looks like renewed dedication. It looks like the glory of God. It looks like a mass harvest of souls for the kingdom. It looks like a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a church that has decided to get away from all worldliness and begin to rediscover holiness. That's what it looks like. It's right on the horizon. And the most wonderful part about it is that we get to participate if we're ready. That's why my lesson says preparing for a move of God. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be any place where I miss it. And so it starts with us getting some things right, but it also starts with us having an expectation, an expectation, expecting a move of God. Uh, in... Um, uh, you know, in the Bible, uh, matter of fact, Second Chronicles sixteen nine, and if you can put that up, please. But I want it from the King James, and then everything else tonight will be from the Amplified Bible. But Second um, Chronicles sixteen nine, uh, that's going to be from the um, from the uh, King James version. And let's go ahead and pray first before we go any further. 
Father, we come before you right now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you for this day, Father. We thank you that you're such an awesome God. We thank you, Father, that you have protected us and kept us through this whole pandemic. We thank you, Father, that we come to you now with expectancy in our heart, expecting you to move mightily in our midst, expecting you to help us to see that there is such a great harvest of souls that we need to reap for the kingdom of God before your son comes to take us all home. And so, Father, I just thank and praise you, Lord, that you're going to help us to get serious about this and expect this great move of God that's coming. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong, in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. I mean, God is looking for somebody he can show himself strong in. And he needs to do that because what? We talked about signs and wonders. We talked about miracles. That takes a bold person. So you have to be a bold person to do that. And so, if you need that strength you need to be able to say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world you need to be able to say that you also need to be strong and not weak because it takes a strong person a strong person to stand in the middle of the street see you you haven't done that yeah we do that church right but you haven't had to go down to Zona Rosa and lay your hands on somebody and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to stand up and walk and expect. Pastor talked a whole number of lessons on confidence. Expect your confidence in the God that you serve, that you expect when you say it, that things are going to change. That's what we're talking about, a move of God that not only transforms us, but it ignites a fire in everyone we come, uh, come in contact with. That's what we're talking about. And so we need, in order to do that, we need a clear understanding of who we are in Christ. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you really know who you are in Christ? I have a strange feeling most of us don't, okay? Because when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see, in my case, five foot four. That's pushing it a bit, more like five, three and a half. Five foot four, uh, and, um, and, you know, that's what I see when I look in the mirror. And when I look in the mirror most times, I don't see that spirit man that's in me that spirit man which is really the holy spirit dwelling in me ready to do great things for christ i don't see that when i look in the mirror not most days now some days i do but most days i don't i'm working on it. i'm getting there but doing when you look in the mirror what do you see the person who's going to do great exploits for god is that what you see 
That's what you should see. That's what you should see. The person who's going to do great exploits for God. Well, you know what? In order for us to get a good understanding of what it takes to be prepared for this move of God, we're going to go back a little bit in history, and we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Acts. And we're going to do that because it's important for us to understand. See, that these disciples in the book of Acts, they were accused of turning the whole world upside down. That was the accusation against them. They were accused of turning the whole world they lived in at that time upside down for Jesus Christ. That was the indictment against them. But how did they get there? Because that's not how they started out. Would you agree with me that's not how they started out? That's not how they started out. So let's find out how they started out. So before we go into Acts, I want you to turn to the, the book of Mark. We're going to go to Mark. We're going to spend a, not a lot of time, but we're going to spend a little time in Mark. And if you go uh, to Mark 14, I'm going to get there in a minute. Mark 14. Okay, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay, we're at Mark 14, and I'm looking at verse number 31. Uh, you know what? Let's go back a little bit. Uh, verse 27. And it says, And Jesus said to them, You will all, who did he say? He said all. You will all fall away this night. That is, you will be caused to stumble and will begin to distrust and desert me. For it withstands written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised to life, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said to him, even if they all fall away and are caused to stumble and distrust, uh, distrust and desert you, yet I will not do so. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before a cock crows twice, you will utterly deny me, disclaiming all connection with me three times. But, you know, Peter's not the only one that was in this predicament, okay? But Peter said more vehemently and repeatedly, even if it should be necessary for me to die with you, I will not deny or disown you. And guess what? He had company. What does it say there? And they all kept saying the same thing. So all the disciples agreed with Peter. They were going to stick it out. It didn't matter. Come, you know, whatever. 
they were willing to die on the cross for Jesus, okay? They were all ready to do it. They're going to, and so if you go down to verse number 50, uh, now this is right after they arrested Jesus, and in verse number 50 says what? Then his disciples, forsaking him, fled all of them. Okay? Didn't last long. Okay? They fled. They left him. And then on top of that, it says a young man was following him with nothing but a linen cloth, sheet thrown about his naked body. And they laid hold of him. But leaving behind the linen cloth, he fled from them naked. So everybody deserted him. Okay? And so these are the people that were insisting that they were not going to do that, right? Now, we're not going, I'm not going to go to the story of Peter because we all know how, what happened with Peter. He followed Jesus, and then they accused him of being one of his disciples. He denied it three times. But the point was that we always like to harp on Peter, but the bottom line is Peter had company. The other, the other ones deserted Jesus, too. It wasn't just Peter, okay? And so now they have all deserted Jesus. And still Jesus appears to them later on. He gives them some instructions. And one of the instructions he, he gave them was in Acts 1 and 4. So we're going to go to Acts and we're going to spend a lot of time in Acts, in the book of Acts. And so in Acts uh, verse 1, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, And being assembled together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, You have heard me speak. Now, Jesus is referring to what? He's referring to the Holy Spirit. He told them back in John 16, verse 7, It's a good thing that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, then the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the intercessor, the guide, the spirit of truth, he can't come if I don't leave. So it's a good thing that I'm going to leave you, okay? And at the time when the disciples heard Jesus say that, they really didn't want to hear it. They really didn't want to hear it. But now Jesus is telling them again. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise, okay? Now, if you go to Acts 1 and 14, you're going to see that they followed directions. They went to Jerusalem, okay? And when they got there, what were they doing? It says, all of these with their minds in full agreement devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer, waiting together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So what were they doing while they were waiting? They were praying. And I believe they were there 10 days, praying for the promise that God had promised them. God promised them to send the Holy Spirit. And they were praying 
As a matter of fact, uh, they prayed uh, without ceasing, just waiting for God to show up. Whatever God wanted to do, they were waiting for. And so amazingly, if you, go, if you look at Acts 2, what in heaven's name happens there? It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. This is the first time the Holy Spirit showed up. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed and settled on each one of them. And listen to this. And they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other different foreign languages and tongues as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue and appropriate words. That was the first visitation of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the kicker, okay? Now, the, remember these same guys that all fled, left Jesus by himself, okay? If you go to Acts uh, 2 and I believe it is verse 14, I think is what I want. Oh, yes. Uh, 2.14. Now, uh, the people of the town are amazed at what they're hearing, okay? And um, we know it was a large number of people there. I, I don't know exactly how many, but we know there was at least 3,000. It's probably more than that, but I'm saying we know at least, at least 3,000 were there, okay? And this is what happens. It says, but Peter... Standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. This is the same people that left Jesus not a couple of verses back. They deserted him. They left him. And now they are facing a multitude of people. And I said, you know, it's at least 3,000. It's probably more than that, but you know it's not less than 3,000. That much you know for sure. And Peter is standing there bold as he could get with the other 11 nobody's running nobody's shrinking and boldly proclaim what thus say the Lord as a matter of fact he spoke so profoundly and so proficiently that uh, when he got finished speaking if you look at verse uh, 41 go down to verse 41 And what does it say there? It says, there, therefore, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized, and there were added that day, you hear what I just said? That day to the church, 3,000 souls. Is that not a move of the Spirit? That's a move of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 souls. Now, I hate to say this, 
but I'm going to say it. You know, we, we get excited in church when we get three down to the altar on a Sunday. Something, something wrong. Something's very wrong. Okay? And part of what's wrong is that we expect the pastor to do everything. And that's not his job. That's our job. Our job is to go out and get the souls. And so with the move of the spirit, if the, the, the move of the spirit, we're talking about the move of the spirit, preparing for the move, you got to be ready to go out and get souls. You've got to have a boldness in you to go and get souls. And trust that as you go and deliver the message of salvation, that people are going to fall on their knees and want to know the God you serve. You've got to have that kind of conviction. And it's amazing how these disciples went from men cowering in the corner, and now they're so bold. Not only are they winning, I mean, matter of fact, let me look at the way they're winning souls. Let's look at the way they Go to Acts 4 and 4. And it says, but, as, but many of those who heard the message believed, adhered to and trusted in and relied on Jesus as the Christ. And their number grew and came to about how many? 5,000. Okay, this church is growing by leaps and bounds. If you look at uh, verse number 46, go down to verse 46. Um, am I in the right place? Oh, sorry, I think I wrote that down wrong. Okay, it says that, um, and I, I, I have the wrong verse there, but it tells you that they were the people were being added to the church how often daily daily for for oh five forty two okay so I wrote down thank you ma'am uh okay yet in spite of the threats oh they were getting threats so they're no longer cowering. These are bold now. These are bold. They're getting threats. They're being thrown in jail. And they're getting bold. They never cease for a single day, both in the temple area and home, to teach and to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And people were being added daily. 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 What has happened in the church? What has happened? We've lost our focus. We've lost, we've lost our goals. Daily? People being added daily. Most churches are closed Monday to Friday. So you couldn't add them on daily if you wanted to. What has happened to us? We have to expect a move. That's the only thing that's going to change what we're doing now is a move of God. We have got to expect. We need, we need to start praying for God to move. If we would get focused, you know, uh, uh, in Azusa uh, in California, uh, people prayed for months for a move of the Spirit. And guess what? 
God didn't deny them. He did exactly what they were asking for, a move of the spirit. And I don't believe that Azusa uh, or the book of Acts, uh, God is not a respecter of persons. And if we would get on our face and start praying and asking God to move supernaturally in our midst, I, I believe he's going to move. But you have to understand there are two very important components that the disciples learned early on and they incorporated in what they did on a regular basis. And one was what? We said that before, prayer. The first one was prayer. You're gonna, when you go through the book of Acts, you're going to find that uh, prayer is mentioned over 30-something times, about 36 times in the book of Acts. These were some praying saints, and they prayed about everything. They prayed about, you know, asked God to give them boldness. They asked, for, they asked God to give them boldness so they could stand before men and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. They asked for boldness. When's the last time we prayed for boldness? When's the last time we prayed that we would see miracles and signs and wonders? When's the last time we prayed that prayer? And I'm willing to bet, and I've been guilty of it too, the majority of our prayers have to do with, am I correct? majority of our prayers have to do with us. That's not God's focus. And so we have got to have to realign ourselves in order for us to be ready for a move of God. I'm telling you, it is coming. It's not long off. We're in the last days. It is not going to be long. We have got to change our focus you don't want somebody else, somebody else's church, okay, to reap the benefits of that move and you not get in it. You definitely want to be part of any move that God's moving, that God's doing on this earth. You don't want to be left out of that, especially in the last days, because that's going to be some exciting times. Miracles, signs, and wonders. And so I'm going to say this again um, because I, this lesson's not going to be finished tonight. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to have to finish it. But there are two, if you don't remember anything else, two most important components that these disciples learned that changed them from those cowering disciples that were running and scared to these bold witnesses for Christ who were laying hands on people, casting out demons, and, 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 uh, and uh, getting the lame to walk. Matter of fact, they even raised people from the dead. These bold people who once upon a time were running, scared, are now bold because there were two important f features that they incorporated into their life. One was prayer. You can't do anything great for God without prayer. And then the number two thing was they learned to rely on the Holy Spirit. God has sent the Holy Spirit to them, the Holy Spirit of God. Matter of fact, God made it real easy for us. 
He made it so easy that he placed the Holy Spirit in us. He put him in us. That's, he made it He made it so easy so we wouldn't have to work so hard at it, okay? And it's amazing to me how we can just forget he's there. He dwells in us. He wants to do these great exploits we talked about in 2 Chronicles. He, he, he wants to do those because he wants to please the Father. Pleasing the Father. And if he knows if he does these signs and wonders and miracles, people's lives are going to be changed and they're going to serve God. And the Holy Spirit rejoices over that. That's exciting. That's a wonderful thing to know. And so we as a, a body of Christ, we got to shift. And part of the shift is prayer. We got to get so that we pray. But on top of that, we're going to have to recognize the Holy Spirit as our guide, our teacher, our paraclete. He's our intercessor. He ushers us into all truth. He's our standby. The Holy Spirit, he will lead the charge for the, for the new move. That's, he will do it, not us. It's not in us. He will lead. We just need to learn how to listen and follow. Listen and follow. And I know that's not an American easy norm, okay? Where we're not used to listening and follow. That's not the American trend. So we have to work harder at it than some people because for some people, it's just natural part of their culture. For us, not quite. We have to work at it. But it can be done. Two things you got to remember. How do we get ready for that, for the move of that spirit, the move coming? Prayer and following the Holy Spirit, relying on the Holy Spirit, dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's how it's going to happen. And I'm going to stop there for tonight, but I'm not finished. I got some more goodies. <laughs> and I will finish that next week. Um, I am, uh, uh, once again, just, just excited about what God is going to do. And I'm, I'm excited about what he's going to do at Harvest Church. And I, and I, and I really believe, because this is the gospel according to Minister Gravity now, but I do believe that the churches that are going to be the forerunner in this move of the spirit that's coming are going to be churches who are willing to let down their four walls and, and, and shake hands with another church across the, across the way and decide we're going to work together and take this city for God. I, I, and like I said, that's the gospel according to Mr. Grammy. But I really believe that's what God's calling us to do because these denominations and inside the wall is not what he's called us all to be believers and all to love Christ, love God, and to do great exploits for God. And it doesn't matter to him whether you're a member of Harvest Church or you're a member of Harvest Church two doors down, okay? It's all of us working together to take our city back from the devil because he can't have it. He can only have it if we don't fight the good fight of faith. That's the only way he's going to get it. And so I'm not finished, but I will finish 
next week. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.